0: Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson and I run Stack, the subscription club that delivers a different independent magazine to your door every month. In this episode I'm speaking with Erin Rimmer and Simon Doherty from Roughcast, a brilliantly abrasive punk inspired magazine that's here to shake up what it calls the dull pastiche of British media. It's a passion project being run by a group of friends, but it also has some big ideas about the way media works, particularly relating to freelancers. And as you'll hear, they've resolved to pay their freelance contributors on the same day they receive their invoices, even if that's before the issue comes out. Now, they're not making a case for this as a business model that everyone else should be following. Rather, it's a point of principle that has emerged from years of experience working as freelancers themselves. Erin and Simon came up to visit me at our office last month and I had thought we might head out to sit by the canal and record this episode but on the day it was totally freezing so in the end we just sat downstairs in our building which means this one has got quite a lot of London noise going on in the background but that somehow feels appropriate for the magazine's tone so I hope you'll enjoy this conversation about Roughcast. Erin, Simon, thanks so much for coming all the way up here to chat about Roughcast. What what is this thing?
1: I think Roughcast was basically um, a group of friends that wanted to create the magazine of our dreams. Um, So that meant that not only would it be a physical magazine, um, something that you can hold in your hands, something that you can sort of like show to a friend, something that you can put on your bookshelf, but also a magazine that if you're a freelancer working for it, then it's a thoroughly positive experience. We're all uh, freelancers, so we wanted to create a magazine that we would like to write for really. So for me, that's what it was. Um, And, you know, really the aims for me was just to create something that we thought was cool. And if anyone else wants to read it, that's great as well.
0: So, so what, what is it then that makes this into a mag that freelancers particularly want to write for? Yeah.
1: Well, firstly, um, you get paid on time. Uh, <laughs> the, the same day that you send the invoice, you get paid. Um, all the freelancers are paid before we go to print, that's really important. The day that we can't pay the freelancers before we go to the print is the day that we don't go to print. That was one of the main values of the magazine. Um, and then also ones where freelancers are sort of given an opportunity to um, create something that's truly them with absolutely no corporate um, influence or absolutely, absolutely no conflicts of interest that would change their personality and who they are.
0: So, and so, I mean, I, I take it from this that like, you guys have like vested interest. Are you, are you like you are freelancers or you have freelanced for a substantial part of your career?
2: I, so I, I've done freelancing on the side of jobs, I've had like months stints um, and then I've had the experience of waiting for, for months for payment um, and that's quite harrowing, especially during COVID, that was really hard. Um, but I've always, yeah, I usually have had a full-time job, I think Sai's had longer bouts of freelancing.
1: Yeah, I've I've been a freelancer for about seven years, um, a freelance writer, Um, me and Josh, um, who couldn't make it today, but Josh is sort of responsible for all the photography, he's the director of the photography. Um, We've been working on projects together for about six or seven years on freelance projects. Um, I do have a full time job as well, but I freelance on the side as a way of funding Roughcast, so I freelance to pay freelancers, it's a revolving door of freelance.
0: <laughs> and, and I mean like so a, a lot of independent magazines um, don't pay their contributors and, and you know that's for kind of understandable reasons that like they just don't have the cash for it. The, it sounds like it was a, sort of like a point of principle, like an important thing for you that people should get paid for, for working on this mag.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like I think we've got a bit of a culture now of expecting things for free. You'll see everything for free on social media and you'll read articles for free online. And I think both of us have a real motivation to value the work that you're getting. And I think if you can pay for the artwork that's in your magazine, I think then you should definitely do that. And um, yeah, it was a very high like, value for us.
0: Are you like, what sort of rates are you, are you paying people to, to be involved with the mag? Just the, <clears throat> the
1: standard industry rates. Yeah, we, we pay what, what the main uh, commercial magazines pay. Um, and it's just purely because we do a lot of work um, outside our jobs to fund it ourselves. Um, because we wouldn't really be able to create a magazine that would be like the dream magazine for freelancers that sent us the freelancer experience if we were like, um, oh, we can't afford to pay for you. So. Yeah,
2: exactly.
0: So, so there's a, and, and there's a story, uh, in the magazine that makes that very explicit. So there's a, a piece, uh, called internships. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, <laughs> yeah. that's one person's yeah. experience of, yeah, of like, going around getting paid like 30 quid for a day's work and, and feeling very exploited. That seems to be the first of like a, a regular series uh, called Not One For Us. So it is the idea that you're publishing stuff in this magazine that doesn't find a home elsewhere.
2: Yeah, I feel, I feel like um, a lot of uh, really, really good uh, pictures. I think so cycling explain this a bit better, but uh, they'll turn it away maybe because of corporate interests or um, there's other motivations at play. But because we don't have any of that, we have the freedom to publish what we like. I don't know if you want to expand on that.
1: Yeah, I think like obviously with commercial magazines, that there's a million reasons why your article might get cancelled, um, and you know it's not necessarily anyone's fault most of the time. But um, I personally have a whole graveyard of articles <laughs> that I'd love to bring out. Um, so the one that you referenced, internships, um, that originally got uh, commissioned by the BBC and got mysteriously canceled the day before it was due to go out. Then it got commissioned again by another, the BBC didn't give me an explanation, um, and then another magazine uh, uh, commissioned it and canceled it again. Um, and they told me it was because basically they have uh, in the past had unpaid interns. So they were worried about, about looking um, uh they're they worried about looking sort of hypocritical um but yeah we've got a lot of things up our sleeves with the column not one for us it's the thing that basically editors often say when they reject your idea not one for us that's where the title came from but um the next one in the second edition is um when i wrote it as well i had the idea of taking one of the original people who started um uh the sort of rave culture in the uk so it was danny ramplin who started the the first club night called Shoom in 1988 Um, and the idea was to take one of the old sort of uh, icons of rave culture and take them to a modern-day illegal rave Um, and you can see for various uh, reasons which i'll leave out now um, but you have to buy the magazine um, is it ended up being very controversial and couldn't be published elsewhere
0: Oh, okay, yeah, I really want to read that, please. <laughs> oh, so, the, so I can see then, like, so the, there's, like I say, that feature, uh, Not One For Us, makes it very explicit that, like, you know, this is a magazine uh, that will give a home to stories that couldn't find a home elsewhere. But it felt like that kind of seems true more generally of the stories in the magazine, too. There's a one of the first stories is called Searching For Memories, um, and it's written by somebody who has had several concussions and, and it's and it, it, like reading it, I was really interested in this story. And it also just felt like it was like beautifully coming out of nowhere. Like it was like, I just sort of ended up like chatting to a bloke at the bar in a pub and he was like, <laughs> telling me this like sad story about his childhood. But where, where does that come from?
1: Um, so basically we have, uh, we have certain writers, photographers, artists, illustrators that we want to target because we think they're really awesome. Um, so I was interested in getting Reese, one of my favorite writers, to write something. Um, and we basically just put the theme to him and see what he came back with. And he came back with the first time that he realized that he'd lost all his childhood memories.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The, so the, this magazine, like the so for people who haven't seen it, it's, it's quite kind of unassuming, I think. Like the, if I saw this in a shop, uh, I might not think it's particularly kind of uh, explosive magazine, but when you start reading it, there's a real edge to it. I mean, the, like, wh- where did the title Roughcast come from?
2: Um, so we're kind of keeping that a bit of a secret. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know quite why we're keeping it a secret. I think uh, there's a few backstories, but I don't know. I think we're just Yeah, you know. we just we just
1: keep that one to ourselves for now. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Alright, fine, that's okay. The, so so I I'm gonna I'm gonna take rough cast so I, is rough cast sort of like Pebble Dash, is that Yeah, like, it's the thing
2: on on buildings. Yeah, yeah that okay. texture. Yeah. Okay.
0: And so that, so then you have like several spreads through the magazine which have these like loving photos of Pebble Dash. <laughs> nice nice and close up. And then the the cover of the magazine as well, so it's like mainly a, a white cover, and it has this like textured uh, paper, which also maybe is suggesting something of the quality of of that pebble dash wall.
2: Yeah, I th- I think what you said just then about it being unassuming, I think that's what I was trying to get at with the design. Like I think it, I really like magazines. I love are kind of like the New York and like the Paris Review where they like make a very big. Um, concentration on the writing but then at the same time I think some of our writings kind of anarchistic and like punky so I I was then looking at like adbusters and things like that for for the other side of it and I've kind of tried to find a balance with it so that texture element I think maybe you can see that there's something a bit off because you've also got the weird logo too so if you start to look at it then you notice that something's a bit off.
0: Okay so 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 tell me about the weird logo because when I first saw it I assumed it might be a magazine from Belgium because it has got the the, the, the the mannequin piece yeah yeah
2: so the image is actually from do you know cb radio um it's like an old way that people used to do uh radio and they'd make things oh, like so logo. you mean
0: the technology of cb radio yeah yeah, 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 yeah. sure yeah, yeah
2: yeah and have you seen the little cards that people would do they're yeah. like the so people would send each other at their um their radio stations on like an illustrated card so they would know where to tune in. Uh Oh God, I hope I've done that right otherwise. (laughs) I'm sorry, radio fans. But I have a load of them and I've been collecting like old archive stuff, which I think you can see a bit in the magazine. And uh, I found this on a um, old CB radio card and I'd just scanned it and I always scan things in and sometimes use them and just loved it I was like and then realised after that it was a statue in Belgium but I, I think it kind of fits with it and then you've got the weird which also I did in about two minutes but yeah I th- on the spine there's just I think that will stand out quite well if you look closely on your spine Okay,
0: so the, so, so the, so, so the, the illustration we're talking about is a little boy with his wheelie out uh, having a wee <laughs> and then down the spine in green it looks like you've got a little trail of wee going all the way down the yeah, spine of the, the magazine colour.
2: I, I, I again just that kind of unassuming plain thing, and then you'll look at it and go, Wait, is that a little boy having a piss? <laughs> and then you will then you will kind of hopefully go inside. Um, but yeah, that was the A.
0: Okay, all right. Well, so, so I think like uh, objective achieved, uh, with that, there's also, uh, I'm not surprised to hear you talking about kind of like the interesting like archival stuff, like the. There's some very rude playing cards uh, in there. What's the the thinking behind this?
2: So that's actually the person who's not here, Josh. He makes um, artwork about... What's the background Um, on the tarot?
1: They're they're tarot cards that he's been designing using, um, I believe, he's he's gonna go mad if I get this wrong, but um, I believe it's old 70s porn that he's gone and bought in bulk. And he's been, using, he's been using that material to make various collages over the last few years. So he's designed a series of tarot cards, which we're gonna preview in each one. And then once, once we've shown them all in the magazine, I think we're gonna sell the tarot cards through our website.
0: Ah, Nice, I see, okay. All right, and so, the, so like for all this magazine has this kind of like punky kind of, uh, like sort of abrasive rough cast, uh, like sort of attitude. There is also clearly, like, a thought towards how we're going to actually sell this and make money from it. So, one of your first pages in here is, like, the subscription page. Mm -hmm. You're making these things to, uh, the tarot cards to sell to, like, what's the kind of aim with the magazine in terms of, you know, how how long running do you want this magazine to be? So we were just talking before this yeah. started about like, when you take subscriptions, it's really stressful because when someone subscribes, you've got to like deliver magazines to them. How, how kind of like all in on this are you?
1: We're very, we're very in on it. Um, I mean, the way that we've set it up is that we do freelance work to pay the other freelancers so that um, it doesn't really matter if, if we, w- we would be able to continue the magazine regardless anyway. Um, I think that um, with, with with the with the if you, if you costed it all up into a spreadsheet, it wouldn't make any sense at all, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, but we, we as long as we get an opportunity to make something that we think is interesting, we're going to continue with it. Uh, we're definitely here to stay, and um, we're, we're we we think that the most creative and innovative and, and passionate people are in the indie magazine space. Um, so once we've sort of like after watching from afar for so long now we've dipped our toe in it we're like we're like really inspired by um the people that occupy this space and it seems to me like everyone's sort of building each other up rather than competition it's like everyone sort of builds you up so it's, it's a pretty nice place to be and yeah we want to be here
0: totally so i mean the, that that completely tallies with my experience of independent magazine people like the you know it's it's much more Collegiate is much more collaborative than it is trying to compete with each other. It seems like you've also got a real axe to grind with kind of the mainstream media. So the, in the editor's letter, uh, there's a line that says "Roughcast exists because British media has become a dull pastiche of what it once was." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's fantastic. And this was about like aside from like a few interesting magazines, mm. like you know. So what, like, what would you say? is interesting these days like what like what are you looking to and thinking like actually this is this is worth my time
2: like magazines specifically no no no. it could be anything i think things that have been independently made that haven't got the corporate interests are fascinating like the since we've made this we've become so aware of all the independent magazines and it's so inspiring because instead of this like competitiveness that you have with corporate magazines Everyone's like binging each other up and there's all, you go into a shop and everyone's there. It feels like a a thing that you'd actually make time to do, like sit down and read these magazines. So I think that's really inspiring to me. And you'll find magazines on just someone's really passionate about hand dryers. And then I think I brought that off stack actually once. And it's just like all these amazing illustrations about hand dryers. And it's like, no, I don't think that would ever be done corporate. But that's what's inspiring to me, just eccentric people making centric things
0: totally and, yeah. and, and i guess also that there is at least the hope that with this somebody out there will buy your magazine whereas like you know when you're thinking about the digital side of things the and this is referenced in the editor's letter as well there's just it's so accepted now that people just expect to have their digital content for free please yeah. <laughs> like the you know at least there's at least there's the aim with this that someone's going to go out spend some money on it and then value it as a result.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, for me, what, what I think is good at the moment is Foam's one of my favorite magazines, and especially when we recently went to an exhibition in the Netherlands, and I was so inspired that day by, by Foam. I just think that the way it's presented is just perfect. It's brilliant. Um, and then I also like Paperboy. I also like F- Fence is really good, especially the writing's excellent in there. And then, sort of New Yorkers the sort of reigns supreme editorially. Uh, yeah. you can't really get better than that. Um, but I've also I'm also um, really sort of inspired by the reprints of the old DIY fanzines, so like Boys Own fanzine, which was sort of like the the, the, the newsletter of the acid house movement in you know, started by like Andrew Weatherall and, and Terry Farley. And that I'm constantly pouring through that again and again and more recently vague. As well which is which is i bought it from hausman's quite recently and you know when it's literally just like someone with a felt tip and a typewriter has put this together (laughs) you know it doesn't really get much more interesting than that for me so yeah there's quite a lot of uh quite a lot of new stuff uh that that's interesting even like the face i write a column for the face um and that's that's still maintained uh good good quality content i think throughout um but yeah, but mainly um, I just get so inspired when I walk into these these shops and everything's perfectly placed onto, onto, onto the shelf. And then it's just like, yeah, with uh, online media, it's like you usually have to change the title because if it's not written in a certain way, then it won't get the clicks and you have to change it. You're forced to change your personality with, with online digital stuff, um, but with print stuff, you can literally just have it exactly how you want it. And then, yeah, the idea that someone will keep it and cherish it and put it on a shelf is just really exciting.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, yeah. So you've got that total control with this magazine. And, and we said before, well, I said before, there's an extent to which you're making this just because you want to and sod it. You just want to make it. But also you're trying to make this as like a, a thing that can like live on and, and keep going. There's a couple of ad pages at the back of the magazine. Uh, so our DJ Dave and Jess in Gown Studios, are they, are they real things?
1: Um, yeah, so um, Jess is one of our friends that sells print. We didn't take any money for the advert. And then there's another advert from Julian, who's another one of our friends who's got a tattoo. He does tattoos from a warehouse in Manor House. Um, and um, so they're, they're real things DJ Dave is, is, is very much real and is available on YouTube
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, there's a QR code on there which I've not followed yet so maybe that's, no. for, that's for later <laughs> Alright, so, so you're looking at this you've got your first issue out um, now w- w- how long till the second one comes out?
2: Um, well, I'm literally finalising the design today so I don't... When uh,
1: it's going to be in the first week of February Yeah
0: Okay, first week of February for the, for the next issue. Do you have a sense yet of, like, who the ideal reader is for all this? And, and if so, how are you putting this magazine in front of them? Because it strikes me that with something like this, you know, you, you totally should be in magazine shops because people will find you there, but it feels a bit more distinctive than that. It feels like it should be other places as well. Where, whereabouts is, where are you finding your readers?
2: Um, so we're stocked in like Hausmanns and then a few other places. So I went and cycled to a few places and asked them because we weren't sure how it works. And now we've got a uh, distributor.
0: Um, Who's your distributor?
2: Public Knowledge. Okay. Um, they're very good, aren't they? They're great. They're great. <laughs> They've got some magazines I absolutely love. Um, but we're also, um, so we all met in the warehouses, so Manor House Warehouses, uh, which is like a communal living place. So we're also selling there, which is actually where a few of the people who have adverts in the magazine, like the tattoo artists and some illustrators. So we're selling it there as well. We're trying to find places which are like grassroots, kind of um, actual people making artwork that they care about, that, those kind of places.
1: Yeah, I, I think Roughcast is for anyone that wants to read it. Um, and we'll basically try and come to people. So we, you know, we've had a few quite a few sales through our website from that have come from anywhere really so we're happy to sort of try and meet people who are interested in it wherever they are Um, but yeah like I said we've got we've got the distributor we've got the website it's sold in a couple of bars and pubs we'll even come and drop it off to you if you ring us
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, and how many copies did you print of this first one
1: it was 400
0: right yeah. okay so the, and is the plan to stick with that for issue two or are we, are we like sort of building up from here i
2: don't, I don't think we have a plan exactly yeah i think because we need to talk to public knowledge and, and things don't we
1: yeah I, we've not actually decided how many to print for the second one um but yeah it'll, it'll probably be the 400 or just a little bit more maybe
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, look, I I love the energy of this one and that kind of uh, abrasive, rough rough cast tone that is just there from (laughs) the start. So um, thanks ever so much for coming to tell us about
1: it.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Okay, that's all from me this week. I'd like to say thanks again to Erin and Simon for making the trip to come and speak with me. I'm afraid the stack office is really not in a very central part of London, so I really appreciate it when people do make the trek over to our bit of Labbrook Grove. We spoke briefly in that conversation about the stressfulness of subscriptions, but of course, ultimately, I'd love to make all of our podcast listeners into actual Stack subscribers so we can start delivering our surprise magazines to you every month. So if you want to see these magazines for yourself, go to stackmagazines.com and sign up. And if you use the code PODCAST, you'll get 10% off our regular prices, and I'll thank you at the end of our next episode. Big thanks this time go to Thea Angelica Davies, who subscribed to Stack just yesterday, so she'll be receiving her first magazine soon. Thank you very much for that, Thea Angelica, uh, and welcome to the club. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. If you don't already, please do follow us wherever you get your podcasts, and I'll be back with another episode in a couple of weeks.